Hello, and welcome to IRI Growth Insights, featuring IRI thought leaders, industry partners, and guests. For more than 40 years, IRI has been known for its invaluable data, but these podcasts delve into the insights the data reveal to fuel market disruption and market growth for those in the CPG, retail, healthcare, and media markets. I'm your host, Joan Driggs, coming to you from IRI's corporate headquarters in Chicago. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Growth Insights Podcast. Snacking is a barometer for both mood and behavior. Um, During the pandemic, we used it for coping and entertaining, but now we're returning to a more mobile lifestyle. So it's snacking is reflective of that. So I'm here with Darren Seifer, my colleague from NPD, a food and beverage analyst, And we're going to talk about how snacking reflects our new daily routines and how snacking is going to be impacted by maturing audiences, um, both Gen Z and then even the generation behind them, the Gen Alpha. So, Darren, we are returning to full mobility. Um, We've got a lot of changing demographics. A lot of younger consumers are growing up. Can we start off by just talking about what you mean when you talk about snacking? Absolutely. And first and foremost, thanks for having me back here. Pleasure to be chatting with you once again about what we're seeing in the marketplace. So when we talk about snacking, we look at a set of ready-to-eat, convenience-oriented foods that consumers typically have between their main meals, so outside of breakfast, lunch, and dinner. And, you know, some examples of that are just what what you typically think of, your salty snacks, your sweet treats, uh, even fruits that uh, people have between these main meals. But that doesn't mean that a lot of the times consumers don't have these meals with their main meals. In fact, that over the last decade was one of the growing aspects of these snack foods, that they were appearing alongside main meals more often. So thinking about that bag of chips that people would have with their lunches or the piece of fruit that they would have just to round out that meal without any effort. So when we talk about, you know, snacking and return to mobility, that's great. But is it really all about just the package? I mean, are we really just talking about how during the pandemic, we went to the multi-serve packages, and now we're just going back to the single-serve packages. Is it that simple? It's part of it. Also, consumers are looking for meals that can be consumed quickly. So, you know, when you're thinking about lunchtime or around lunchtime, consumers typically don't have a lot of time. So if something that requires heating up or any kind of preparation, then that's not going to work out too well for them either. Also, if it's not too messy, right? Because you have to imagine a consumer either sitting in a car and commuting or sitting on a train and commuting. Uh, They don't want to get crumbs all over their lap or even all over their faces. So not only just about packaging, but the product itself has to meet those convenience needs. So I'm thinking return of the wrap, maybe a small wrap or a bar. A a small wrap, a bars, you know, things in those formats. Yes, exactly. So let's talk a little bit about some of the things that are those need states um, for different consumers. So when you consider you've got this huge swath of snack products, different occasions, What do you think of in terms of need states and how any marketer could address them? Right. 
Well, there are there are a few need states that are in flux right now. So you know, I, you know, health is has been there. It, it's always been one of the things that consumers consider when they're talking about uh, snacking. But really, a lot of what we're seeing is around the functional needs uh, and also the gratifying needs. So the functional needs are really more about um, I'm, I'm in a hurry. I need something that's grab and go. I need to tide me over to the next meal because I, I'm, I'm just going to be in meetings all afternoon. So I don't want my stomach to be rumbling before I get to dinner. And with those consumers being away from home more often, they're looking more for those functional items. You know, you mentioned earlier that early on in the pandemic, it was about uh, coping. And we saw a lot of consumers using snack foods and treats for the purposes of just treating themselves. They wanted to mentally escape something for just a little bit. And then maybe perhaps in the morning, they wanted to have something that was healthier to balance out what they were doing at the end of the day. But now, as consumers are starting to get out of their homes again, and by the way, thanks to high prices, they're looking for ways to save money on food, so they're taking meals with them from their homes. Um, they're looking for those more functional needs now. Now, I just want to be clear that we're not back to pre-pandemic levels, but that's the direction that we're moving. So you mentioned some of that gratifi gratification, and what we've seen you know, throughout the pandemic was that indulgent products or more premium products really drove a lot of growth. And you just mentioned inflation, you know, that inflation is starting to impact what we're choosing. Do you still see that there are opportunities with like some more premium items in the snacking realm? Sure, because when we think about some of the some of the treats, for example, that we have all the time, there's a lot of emotional attachment to those items. Now, obviously, there's there's going to be a breaking point with any product when it comes to price, uh, but there's more than just sustenance involved with a lot of these products. And in many cases, sustenance is not even a factor. It's really about I I want to reward myself for something. And for many consumers, they're they're willing to pay perhaps a little bit more for that. Um, again, there is a breaking point, and we do have a lot of consumers who are struggling right now. Uh, across the store, we have seen a shift more towards value and private label brands. So it, it's not like the sky's the limit in terms of where we could price these indulgent items. There, there is a point, but like I said, there is an emotional attachment to it, and that's that could be strong for many categories. Yeah, I definitely see that, you know, almost self-gifting and it's a lot easier to self-gift yourself a nice piece of chocolate than it is to buy yourself, you know, a new sweater, for example. Or, or a new piece of electronics that, that's going to cost <laughs> you way more than that. Well, you reward yourself better than I do, I guess. <laughs> well, I'm not saying I do that. I'm just saying, you know, it's the it's the choices that people have to with the way they can reward themselves. And and you're right, a little piece of chocolate is a pretty inexpensive way to do that. Yeah, in fact, you know, I in our beauty in the beauty world, it's usually called the lipstick effect. So I'm wondering if there's a snack version of that. Would it be luxury chocolate effect? I don't know. Yeah, sure. I mean, it's it's and you're right. Beauty is one industry that is doing pretty well right now, where a lot of general merchandise categories are flat, even starting to decline from last year. Uh, so it's just that the little bit that makes you just feel a little bit better makes it worth it. Yeah, very much so. So let's talk a little bit about some of these different generational differences that you see among snacking, um, because I know that you do a lot of work, particularly with the younger consumers, but 
you know, throughout just, it doesn't take long for these consumers to grow up. So tell us a little bit about some of the generational differences that you're seeing. Sure. Yeah. So it, it really have, we have to start with an understanding of how consumers typically snack and treat as they age. So when we're very young, uh, less than five years old, parents are making sure that we're well fed. And there are a lot of snacking occasions that kids engage in, a lot of treats uh, that they have at that time as well. We tend to pull back from that as we age until about our 20s. And it kind of just plateaus there for a while until we get to around 40, 45, and it starts to ramp up again and then plateaus when we're about seniors. So basically, seniors and kids are the ones who snack most often. So right now, where we stand is that where Gen X is, Gen X is currently in that ramping up stage. Now, Gen Xers were... I say we because I'm one of them, uh, we're not a very big generation. And so the growth that we're producing isn't necessarily lifting the entire industry. Now, boomers already went through that increase phase, so they're not necessarily going to be driving growth either. And millennials are right now in that plateau period after their 20s up to about 40. So really, the growth that we're that we're going to see over the next few years is going to come from these very young kids, or even kids that haven't haven't even been born yet. <laughs> it's kind of weird to think about that, but that that's where we see growth coming over the next three years. That's a very difficult situation for marketers, because what we're really going they're going to have to do is shore up their strength in the older generations, and by older I mean anything older than five, and work with parents moving forward because we know we don't really necessarily want to market directly to kids but we want to prove to parents that we have the right solutions for their kids and while you're at it make sure you're meeting the needs of those parents as well so it's going to be a bit of a challenging year now like i said it there's going to be some growth with kids and in every declining market there is always growth pockets of growth and young kids is definitely one of them so you just said something very interesting to me, and that is that our consumption, our snack consumption increases when we're over 40 or when, when we're in our 40s. But honestly, when I look at the snack consumer, I would have thought it might have been like teenagers as the heavy users. So how what does that look like? Yeah. Yeah, well, you know, teens start to get into that life stage when parents aren't always giving them things to eat. And so that tends to kind of fall, fall off a bit. Now, it's true, they definitely get out and about more. They might be in their hometowns going to their local convenience stores and grabbing something there like a bag of chips and a soda to go with it. But in terms of, you know, that that afternoon snack that they have every day after school, maybe that comes that pulls back a bit as they start to take a little bit more control of what they want and when they want it. Okay, so interesting. And and it almost then, maybe what I'm hearing you say is that it's the generations that maybe have more money that are genuinely spending more on snacking, whether it's for themselves or for someone else in their household. Yeah, I mean, when when you think about that, the ramp up in 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 the in the mid 40s where Gen Xers are right now, it, that life stage, you're often not only trying to meet your own needs, but you have the needs of children and needs of the older generation, so your parents perhaps, that you you need to satisfy all of those needs, and so 
typically what we see in that life stage is an increase in snacking and treating across the board. So whether it's salty snacks, it's treats, it's healthy options, there's just a lot of that happening in that phase. Then as we get a bit older, we retire, we have a little bit more time on our hand. Um, and I don't know, I, just, I always find whenever I'm at a, someone in that, in that generation, there's just always a, a bowl of nuts or a bowl of chocolate, just something sitting out there. Um, it's for them, I guess, it, in many ways, it's to pass time, tie yourself over to the next meal. Uh, whereas the younger generations where millennials are right now, they're, they're just very busy. You know, they, they're, they're in their careers. They are starting to raise families. They don't really necessarily have a lot of time for themselves yet. So it's, it's some of it is, it, it, it is about life stage, but, um, some of it is just also about just what's going on in those life stages. Right. So you've talked a lot about, you know, these youngest consumers and the parents being, the, the ones who are making these choices for these young kids. Is there anything in particular that's popping for you that you see that these parents are gravitating to for in terms of snacking for their young kids? Yeah, I mean, c- parents typically have a more healthful watch over the, what their kids are eating. So when we look at when the kid decides versus when the parent decides, there, there's a bit of a difference. So, so when we look at what parents decide for their kids in terms of snacking and treating, you see a lot of fruit. You see things that have health halos around them. They, when the kid decides, it tends to be more on the treat side. So they'll have more of like ice cream. They might have some more, just some of those sweet desserts. Um, and by the way, about 40% of the time, young kids make the decisions. So that means the majority of the time parents are doing that. But it is still important to note that that 40% of the time is significant. And so it, that doesn't necessarily mean the parents are going to agree to it, but care, uh, the uh, the kids will make the request, right? <laughs> and so the you know the kid request is still going to be very important in generating that. You you say it so nicely, the kid request. I don't think it really comes out sounding that polite, but I want this. <laughs> the kid demand, whatever you want to call it. <laughs> So are you seeing any like different shifts in attributes or anything around snacking? I mean, you mentioned like healthier snacks, um, but are you seeing anything interesting coming your way with benefits or attributes that you think is maybe pointing to a new trend rather than a, a quick fad? One of the things that we noticed early on in the pandemic, we, we were looking at substances that consumers wanted to try more often. and it was interesting because we saw an increase in uh, lots of different substances that had things like immunity properties to it. Um, but not only that, we also saw things like stress reliefs and things like CBD. We're still we're still seeing some of that today. You know, obviously we're seeing immunity pull back as we're not quite as concerned about COVID as we were, but we're still seeing increasingly consumers use things like CBD for anxiety and stress. Um, but some other substances and the promoted properties around them are around things like uh, gut health, um, uh, immunity still, uh, blood pressure. So just ways that it, it helps consumers with their bodily functions and, and just makes them work work better. So I'm not saying you necessarily need to add, say, ashwagandha to your snack foods, but just thinking about the properties that a lot of these uh, substances provide are things that maybe we should consider if we're going with that health angle. So I love that. And 
I would like to get your opinion on just a couple ideas of where some of the opportunities are, you know, whether it again, maybe it goes back to the things that you were saying about being easy to eat and clean, or in this instance, you know, have that healthy attribute or be more directed at some of those consumers in their 40s who are the high consuming snackers. So where would you point to a couple things that are are really opportunities? Is it mostly with the young kids who are going to be growing up or the older consumers? I actually think there are opportunities across the board. And, And I know you're probably saying, well, you just told me that we're not expecting growth from really anyone except young kids. So how is that possible? Again, it's about being laser focused on what the shifting needs are. So for example, like millennials, we're not expecting much growth from them, if, if, if any, but when you think about where they are, they're starting to form their routines and the favorites that fit into those routines. And while they're not in that life stage where we expect the ramp up uh, in the next few years, it's gonna happen a few years after that. So it's really important right now to make sure that we're becoming that favorite for millennials so that when they hit that ramp up life stage, that's just going to go head first into what their their favorites already are. Um, you know, same thing with with boomers. As as they age, they're going to start to express more health needs, and and perhaps they're going to have some snack foods that have more functional purposes to it, like tidying them over to the next meal because they have their their activities during the day in their retirement homes when they get there. Um, so yes, there's going to be opportunities there as well. And then again, um, even those Gen Zs who are on that deceleration phase, they're starting to move into life stages when they're out and about more often. So does your product have the properties that meet that on-the-go need for those consumers? So it, it's it's not like there's just opportunities on one end of the spectrum versus the other. They're all over. Some are short-term and some are long-term, but they're all there. Oh, so interesting. What a fun job you have tracking all of this and <laughs> looking at what the future is going to be. Um, I just want to recap with a couple of the things that you mentioned, and that is that a lot of snacking right now, there's like three kind of different trends, and that is that it has to be easy to consume. And it's not just about that that clever package or that single-serve packaging um, that you mentioned. And it's like And I think that this is almost where you end up. It's like, think about where people are snacking and the occasions where they feel they need to snack. Um, I love the different need states um, away from home. You know, is it is it wellness? Is it um, self-gifting? Is it emotional? Is it just because you need something quick? Um, You're cognizant of inflation, but you definitely and so you've seen growth in private label and more value purchases, but you also see that people are really willing willing to indulge and you might not refer to it as the lipstick factor, but it might be, you know, the really nice chocolate factor. And you have so many interesting points about generations, you know, from the very young who are under their parents, very careful, um, choiceful purchases. all the way up to boomers who are aging and are far more active than previous generations of the same age. You know, they are very much on the go. Um, but I just thought that your your study and the reveal that you have about all the different generations and their different needs is so interesting. And again, can't get over the fact that the 40-year-olds are the biggest snackers. 
So, Darren, with that, I want to thank you, and I look forward to our next conversation. I do, too. And yes, if anyone listening is interested in this report, the report itself will be available at the end of February. We currently have dashboards that are live, so uh, that is available right now. So contact your representative with NPD, and we could get that going for you. Thanks, Darren. Have a good one. Thanks, you too. Thank you for listening. Please become a subscriber and let us know what you want to learn more about. We'll serve it up in a future IRI Growth Insights episode. Look for us wherever you get your podcasts and be sure to review IRI Growth Insights. Also, visit us on the web at iriworldwide.com and connect with us on Twitter, Facebook, and LinkedIn.